Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, Chad? Oh, man. I am so geeked right now. <laughs> We're back with Douglas Atkin, former head of global community at Airbnb, partner and chief community officer at meetup.com. So this is the second in a long series of podcasts that we're actually doing with uh, the the gathering, and also guys like uh, like Douglas who really know their shit. The first one was about how Airbnb found its purpose and why it's a good one. And today we're going to talk about the purpose must come first. Yeah, are we sure Douglas is still there? Douglas, did you come back for a second round with us? <laughs> he is there. Awesome. Yay. I did indeed. I did. I did indeed. He is a glutton for punishment. Well, I think we're, we're going to talk about opera, opera, uh, operationalizing. Yeah, that's a mouthful. Uh, your, your brand and your purpose. Mm-hmm. So, Douglas, talk about that, which was sort of the second uh, second segment of the of the uh, the blog that you're putting out on Medium. Yeah. So, um, I, if you find it hard to say operationalize, which is a really horrible word anyway, very corporate, you can you can say living your purpose. You know, how do you how do you I like that better? Yeah. How do you and your organization live your purpose? So, in the previous um, podcast, we talked about. Um, how to get your purpose and how to make sure it's a good one using Airbnb as an example. So that's fine once you have a really groovy purpose, but um, you need to, the point about a purpose is it needs to be used. It's, it's the, it's the rudder that guides the ship. It's basically the why of why your organization exists. And so therefore you you have to be using it every single moment of every single day in every single thing that you do. Mm -hmm. Everyone actually in your organization needs to be using it for everything, every day. And that's really, really hard because one of the characteristics of a purpose is, as we discussed last time, is yes, it needs to be grounded in a truth, but it also needs to seem almost impossible. It's, it's, it's going to make uh, the world a better place in some way. And so um, it is inherently idealistic as well. And so trying to execute an ideal is always hard in the face of uh, the daily grind of turnover, profit, pleasing clients, whatever you have to do in your daily life. And so that's why I wanted to write about this, because um, not completely, but Airbnb's made a very good effort to operationalize Belong Anywhere. The three founders are completely committed to Mm -hmm. it. They uh, see it as the most important thing they do, in fact. And um, we found this out because <laughs> in a, a, I had a session with the founders in um, 2016, I think it was March 2016, where I gathered them together, the three of them, uh, one Sunday afternoon in the office. Again, no dreaded offsite in the office. And um, I was getting them together, and this is going to be the subject of, a, of another podcast, which is uh, how you find your core values. Mm-hmm. And what I had got them doing was um, was figure was identify because I wanted them to base it in reality, not wishful thinking. I asked them to identify all the kind of critical moments of the in the history of the company so far, all the what I call meaningful moments, those moments where there's great meaning attached. Mm-hmm. 
meaning that you know you made some decision uh, on principle that uh, you know often was an existential existential threat, uh, but you made it on principle. We'll talk about this uh, in a couple of other podcasts. And so once they'd identified uh, all these moments, I then asked them to extract the mean and figure out what the principles were that they had used. And then I asked them to order them in, in terms of importance. And the first thing that each of them had, I thank God, basically, first of all, they all agreed on what, what the important principles were. Wow. That was good. <laughs> that would have been a problem if they hadn't. Um, but even more interestingly, they also agreed, which is the most important one, and that is that your purpose must come first. And so um, when, I, when I asked Brian, well, what do you mean by that exactly? I'm going to read you actually what he said, because you will never have heard this from a CEO yeah. of a company before, I guarantee it. He said, so I said, which ones should come first? And he said, mission. By the way, Airbnb calls its purpose mission. Sometimes it calls its vision. Sometimes mm -hmm. it calls its purpose. Um, and I know a lot of people get their knickers in a twist about the differences between those words. I don't give a damn, to be honest. I think it's overthinking yes. it. All you have to do is make sure that everyone knows that you're talking about the why, why we exist. All right? So you can call it anything you like. Anyway, we call it mission in Airbnb. So he said, I said, what comes first? And he said, mission. Obviously, mission-led. The simplest way to describe it is the mission comes before everything. It comes before the personal gain of the people who work at the company. It comes before the valuation. It comes before profits. It comes before business performance. It comes before all the other values. It theoretically comes before the quality of the product. I mean, I could keep going on, right? Yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, it, to be able to hear a, a CEO say it comes before valuation, before profits, before business yeah. performance. I mean, that is yeah. that is amazing. Well, I mean, yes, and he's saying that it didn't, you don't hear CEOs saying that. In fact, in fact, no. for most CEOs, their mission is profit and turnover. Yeah. So, um, yeah. The, the reason why he was saying that is that as they had sat down and reviewed that, that Sunday afternoon, they realized that there were some really big, 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 big common things that had sort of united them from very early on. And that was they didn't just want to get rich quick. They wanted to make a, a dent in the world. They wanted to sort of do what they were doing, do what they loved, and uh, hopefully make the world a slightly better place as a result. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they look back at all, at all these kinds of moments, which we can talk about in, in later podcasts, and realize all we were doing every single time was uh, making decisions for the long term, not the short term. So in the, in the long term, we want a company that creates a world where anyone can belong anywhere. And in the process of doing that, of course, you have to have business, you will definitely have to have profits, uh, and so forth. But you need to keep your eye on the sort of the North Star which is why are we doing this? It's not just to make uh, turnover and profits for shareholders. It's to have this legacy effect. It's to make a sort of a dent on the world in the process. And so uh, and it, what he would also argue is if you put your mission first, you will end up delivering turnover and profit because if it's the right mission and it's wanted and people buy into that mission and vision and subscribe to it and are committed to it, then in the process, you're likely to be able to sell profits at a pre I mean products at a premium, you know, grow your business and so forth. Mm -hmm. We'll get back to the interview in a minute. Building a brand isn't easy, which is why you need people like Tom Kinney, CEO of Smashfly on your side. 
Hey, Tom, it seems like a lot of companies look for that silver bullet approach to recruitment marketing, but you guys have a little bit different approach in terms of a multi-tiered strategy. Talk about that. It's building this connection with people. It's building the time that they want to be engaged and they see the value in that particular brand. So when you're doing single stream and you're just thinking, well, I'm just going to send out a bunch of emails or I'm just going to throw a chatbot on a page and you're not really thinking about it holistically, you're not going to really develop a cult brand. You might develop a brand, you might have a brand value, and you might end up with a brand value that's kind of negative. So you got to be careful with that. To find out more, go to smashfly.com. So, you know, I said to him after that, uh, well, a couple of things happened after he said that. The first thing was, he said, oh, okay, so if that is our, collectively, what we think is the most important principle that we have or value that we have, which is we need to put the purpose first, then it's my job as CEO Mm -hmm. to um, set expectations with everyone, including investors and the board, and ultimately, if we go public, shareholders. And he said, I have to go now to the board, which is which he did, and tell them, okay, you have to judge me not just on how well we're doing on, on growth, on turnover, on profit, but also how well we're doing on achieving our mission of creating a world where anyone can belong anywhere. And fortunately, you know, the board is occupied by some strategic uh, investors, some visionary investors, and they totally bought into it and understand why it's important to have a purpose that leads everything. Um, but he's also going to be doing, and he's, there's not been much publicity about it so far, but there will be over the next uh, few months. He's launched this concept called the 21st Century Company, which is um, a company that uh, puts its mission first, that thinks about not just um, shareholders or even shareholders and employees, or even shareholders, employees, and customers, but thinks mm-hmm. about the impact they're having on the world at large. And um, in other words, he is setting expectations before they do an IPO, basically, I think, um, uh, setting the expectation that the purpose will come first. So that is one thing that happened. Let's, hey, Douglas. Yeah? When it seems like it would be really important to get someone, uh, in terms of recruiting, early on in the process that can buy into the purpose. Yeah. So... Was there, was there any talk about purpose in, say, the job descriptions or when mm-hmm. people would come in to interview with the company? Was it talked about so that you knew who yeah. we were getting had already bought into the purpose before they even walked into the door for their, their first day? Yes. Uh, in fact, Airbnb started in 2012. Just before I, I turned up there in the middle of 2012, the, the company was now like 150 strong in HQ and about another 150, 200, I think, globally. Uh, people. And uh, the founders were realizing that they couldn't be in every single meeting and they couldn't interview every single candidate, especially globally. So they had to set up a a set of principles or values that were proxy for them being in the room, making sure those principles are being lived. And they they created these six core values, which we can talk about later. The first first one of those core values is, is champion the mission. You know, in other words, live the purpose. Mm-hmm. And what they also did is uh, they set up in 2012, and it's, it's even bigger now, as you can imagine, that uh, when somebody's interviewed, they'll have probably six, seven, eight interviews that measures their skills in the discipline that they're applying for, you know, whether they're a good marketer or engineer or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But then they get interviewed by two people who had nothing to do with their discipline, and they're called core values interviewers. There's now 500 of them in uh, Airbnb globally. And their job is to see whether your personal values align with the the core values of Airbnb. And if they don't, then the core values interviewers have veto power. 
In other words, they could be sitting in front of the best engineer in Silicon Valley, but if their values don't align, they can say, nope, it's a no hire. I don't care how good he or she is, their values don't align with ours. And um, so they're not hired. Wow. So yes, you're absolutely right. It's incredibly important. And we make sure that people coming in the door are already aligned with the values as, as best we can. Well, and from the company's standpoint and looking to be able to draw great talent into their organization, you know, how do they differentiate? Because everybody says they're mission-led, right? Mm. And, and, and you know, as well as I do, that's a bunch of bullshit. How can you tell the difference or how can you, how can you differentiate yourself from the posers that are out there that say they're mission-led, but they're really focused on profits and valuation versus how do you become that brand who really can articulate and, and, and get that purpose out there? How, how, how can you differentiate? Well, you have to live it. You have to live it. And the, only, and the way of assessing whether it's bullshit or not is taking a look at the organization's actions that they've taken and comparing it against their intentions as expressed in the purpose. And if there's a dissonance, then you know it's full of bullshit. Uh-huh. So, um, so I asked, uh, again, after they all put it first, I said, okay, so give me some examples of where you think you did put the purpose first um, of creating a world where anyone can belong anywhere. And uh, so one of the ones he mentioned was, uh, and the way he expressed this, uh, they, they, all three of them talked about this way, is that he said, you know, uh, you make certain decisions that make no sense in terms of growth or in terms of um, profit at the time. But what you're basically doing is you're putting deposits into a bank account of culture and of achieving your mission. You know, you're paying, you're paying for things now that will reap benefits later. So he said, for example, you know, we had just had this big, big um, meeting called One Airbnb. This was in 2016. Every year, um, Airbnb flies in the now thousands of people from all over the world who work for Airbnb to have one week together. And the purpose of that one week is, yeah, there's a bit of training. Yes, there's some product announcements and this, that, and the other. But the whole purpose of that week is to make sure that the, pe- that the people who work at Airbnb feel like they belong there, mm-hmm. that, they've, that they form relationships with each other, they have fun together, they work together, they get to know each other, and they feel like they're part of um, one big family, basically. But you can imagine, and, and he said that's, uh, this is, actually, let me just um, quote what Brian said at the time. He said, I think the decision of having one Airbnb, like even this year, I got pushback for doing it. The pushback I got for flying in all the employees is expensive and time consuming. Some people say it's not the best use of time or money. Well, we do think it's the best use of time and money. And he goes on to say, it depends on your horizon. Long term, you need these investments. If you're trying to build a company that outlives you, then people have to believe in the purpose and values. They have to be believers and they have to be wanting to go way above and beyond. And he saw one Airbnb as, as sort of one of those ways of creating that kind of belief and alignment around the purpose and values, even though it costs like, I don't know, two million, three million dollars uh, to fly everyone in, have everyone for a week not doing their job. Yeah. And, um, and putting them up in Airbnbs. And so, <clears throat> but there are many others. I mean, he also said, for example, the very first hire they made, aside from the three of them, was an engineer. And they desperately needed an engineer. It was just Nate, one of the founders, who was the, um, the only engineer they had. Uh, but they interviewed hundreds of people and waited four or five months until they found the right person, which when you're a startup, you know, and there's only three of you, yeah. 
then that three or four months means three or four months of not launching critical product will make the difference, could make or break you. Right. Because you don't have an engineer. But they were not willing to settle on the kind of fit this person was going to have. They weren't going to you know, hire uh, a high-performing engineer who was a complete asshole. They wanted to wait until there was a, someone that they felt shared their own values at the time. And so there are these costs you make. You know, there are these deposits, as Brian puts it, um, that, you, that are really quite costly in terms of money or time or energy at the time that you make them, but will pay off longer term. An investment. So, so long story short, to answer your question, you need to look at the actions of the organization and see if they align with the purpose. And if they don't, then that purpose is on a mug somewhere in the organization and might exist on a PowerPoint, but it doesn't really live. We'll get back to the interview in a minute, but first a quick question for Chris Nealon about the gathering of cult brands. Chris, one of the things that really blew me away when I attended the conference was just the lineup. Uh, I mean, it's a who's who of marketing uh, celebrities, if you will. Crazy. So I'm curious, I, I, when you started, how in the hell did you get these people to come? And I guess more importantly, how do you keep them coming and how do you one up yourself from this year? Yeah, well, it's certainly easier to get them to come in year seven than it was in year one. And people frequently ask, are we going to run out of cult brands? And, you know, I think maybe I wondered about that too. How you know, can I get 10 years, 20 years out of this conference? And then we started doing things like destinations. We started doing nonprofits. Last year, we did our first celebrity, which was Tony Hawk. And we could go into um, politicians. Uh, there's lots of different places that actually have cult-like followers. And so I think it's uh, got a nice, long, healthy runway of cult brand honorees. And, you know, we get them to come for two reasons. One, I think there's a lot of substance. Uh, we do about nine months of vetting. Uh, we've partnered with IBM and we use Watson technology to help us cull through tremendous amounts of data. We do phone screening interviews. We do on-site visits. And so I think there's a lot of rigor that goes into making sure that these brands are as awesome as they appear to be on the outside. And then secondly, I think part of the secret sauce is that we're giving them a product, a, a, an offering. We don't even call it a conference. That's why we called it the gathering. We didn't want to call it a conference because we think most conferences suck. And so we said we had to build a place that these types of people would actually want to go to. And so the whole the whole format and the whole location and everything was sort of chemically engineered from the ground up to be highly desirable. Register now at cultgathering.com. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We talk a lot about retention in our, in our podcast as well. So recruiting is one piece of it, but actually keeping people in the job is an important part of you know recruiting. Yep. Um, I'm guessing that retention was really good at Airbnb. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it was. It, it was and is 
still really, really good. Well, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people came for um, for the mission, uh, belong anywhere for the culture and the other people and the, for the values. And we know this because we asked them. Yeah. So, um, and I did a. There was a period um, later in the history of the company in 2015 when when it went through massive, massive growth, doubled in size from like a thousand to two thousand people in just in San Francisco, and it was the the culture was creaking a little bit. And I went out at uh, Joe's request to find out whether the culture was kind of being resilient or not, or what was going on. So I asked people, "Why are you here? Uh, why do you stay?" You can earn much more money somewhere else, I'm sure. But why do you work these ridiculous hours and do these crazy things at Airbnb? And everyone, there was one person who said, I'm in it for the money. But every single person I spoke to, and I spoke to over 300 people, all different levels, seniority, different disciplines, different locations around the world. um, They all said, "Uh, we're here because of the culture. We're here because of the, I believe in the mission of creating a world where anyone can belong anywhere. And I can see that the company's making decisions that, that execute it. I'm here for the core values. They're real. They're being, you know, lived by. I'm just curious about the people who did leave the company. Did, do you have any sense of like what the main reasons were that they actually left? And did they still appreciate the mission even when they left the company? Yeah, good question. Um, yes. One of the dominant reasons why people leave is the reason I left, which is burnout. Huh. It's it's not a good thing, burnout. Um, but especially when you, you you know you started early on in like 2010, 11, 12, 13, uh, there's only a few of you doing a hell of a lot. And what was great about it is that you were inventing all the time because what we were doing had never been done before. You know, there was no manual. We were inventing a whole new marketplace, a whole new economy, mm-hmm. and and actually a whole new behavior, which is trusting complete strangers uh, you've never met before to sleep in your bed, literally. So what it meant was, you know, your adrenaline gland is open all of the time. So the, the, one of the biggest reasons people were leaving is that they were just really, really tired. But they still appreciated and loved the, the mission and the values. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that, that people is one of the reasons why the purpose must come first. And, and when you're building a company like that, obviously, uh, you know, you are going to have, uh, you're going to have people test you uh, from your brand and your purpose standpoint. And the big question is, are you walking the walk and not just talking the talk? So uh, Douglas, we appreciate you guys, you taking the time again. You're the man, Douglas. It's my pleasure. Thanks very much. Cheers. We out. We out. We out. This has been the Chat and Cheese Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Oh yeah, you're welcome. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.